Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. How's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you on this. Uh, it's it's Wednesday. We're kind of back a little bit on the normal schedule for the, for our weekly show. Um, now, when I say that, I say that kind of tongue in cheek because, as I mentioned last week, YouTube has uh, decided to throw us for a bit of a loop, and Google Hangouts has decided to throw it uh, throw us for a bit of a loop. Um, so we're trying to work through it. We were, uh, for those of you maybe that were <laughs> kind of checking out some things um, uh, earlier with our channel, I was kind of testing some stuff out and, uh, you know, hopefully you weren't confused, but um, we've had to try out new software. We've had to try out a bunch of new things. So for those of you tuning live uh, to the YouTube channel, if you can, please let us know uh, that you can see and hear me and seen here, well, I, you probably won't see him this week, but hopefully you can at least hear him. Uh, he's he's connected via computer this time instead of <laughs> instead of over the phone. John Sheeran, John, how's it going, my man? Yeah, as Anthony said, I don't know if you all can see me, but I am giving my co-host Anthony a resounding round of applause for the technical work that he's done to get the show to where it is right now. Like he said, YouTube threw a giant wrench at our faces. And he has stepped up to the plate and somehow made it work. He says he, he really t- he actually told me before the show he's not technically savvy, but I don't know if I could have done anything close to what he did to make sure that we got the show up tonight. But we are here and we're ready to talk Bengals. Yeah, I'm. I'm I think I think uh, it sounds like that people are able to see me and hear me. Um, they sound. I think. Uh, they can hear you, which is good. Um, unfortunately, they're not seeing your beautiful face or that uh, very, very svelte figure of Randall you have in the background. But uh, yeah, Randall's more mad about it than I am. <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't take a shower today, so I'm getting a little musty. But yeah, R- 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 Randall, he's he's getting some makeup done actually, and he'll be, he'll be ready for whenever we get back on camera. Well, I I appreciate your patience as well, John. This has been a process, man. I'm telling you, I've. Uh, uh, I appreciate your kind words, but th- this has been a process um, to to get to kind of do this. But we're calling audibles. We're trying to get this going. We appreciate those who are tuning in live. We will get this dialed in. I promise. We'll get it all figured out. Um, unfortunately, we had a process when we when we do this show. We had a process that we always 
had done for basically three, three and a half years, kind of had that dialed in. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a big change with the platform. So either we will continue to do these live YouTube, uh, try and do it through YouTube, kind of how we're doing it right now. Hopefully being able to add in the video of John as well as his audio, <laughs> um, kind of like we've always done. Uh, or we may have to do a different platform and, and you know, still we still want the live interaction from viewers. We'll keep you updated, I promise. Everything's still good to go in terms of, you know, the, the various places you can get this program. Our stuff still is on YouTube. The audio can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify. It can be found on Google Play, the Megaphone platform, as well as on CincyJungle.com. We may be expanding the reach a little bit on um, you know, where, where we'll be getting this show. Um, but we'll keep you updated on all of that on tap for this week. There's a lot going on. Um, there's some news about the running backs, both kind of positive and negative, both involving injuries. Uh, so we're going to talk about the running back positions. John, uh, Sheeran, my co-host put up a post recently on cincyjungle.com kind of doing a roster projection, some news that came out Wednesday about the running back spot may tweak some things, but for the most part, I thought it was very interesting. And there is a discussion to be had about some of the ro bubble roster players, some guys that John omitted from making the final roster there. And I think we need to talk about that. He'll also give us some of his further training camp. He's been there firsthand since our last show. He's been to a few more practices. He'll maybe give us a few more uh, pieces of insight there. And then, of course, we're going to talk about preseason game number one. The very first time the Bengals are going to get in real action of some kind uh, against another team in the Zach Taylor era. So we'll talk about that. We were going to get to listener questions tonight, but I think we're going to hold off until Friday afternoon, Friday evening for that. So uh, we'll be sure to get you a time on that. For now, it'll probably be about maybe six Eastern or so uh, to have a, a special standalone listener question segment where you can call in, text in, uh, leave us some chat stuff, and we'll get that going. We do want to, to make sure that that is still part of this show. So, um, you know, we're going to have that. It just for the sake of time. And uh, of course, obviously it coming up against the start of the, the preseason, you know, I think, I think people will be excited to send us some questions there. So, we will get uh, we will get that to you. Whew, we're going to take a deep breath and uh, getting all the house housekeeping stuff out of order. Um, one thing I, I did kind of want to tee the show off with just for a little bit, um, and, and John, I'd like to get you know your thoughts and sentiments on this um, as well. I don't want this isn't a political show. This isn't anything like that. But we would be remiss if we did not mention our uh, saddest our deepest sympathies and, and whatnot to really over the past couple of weeks, three different areas in the United States that have experienced a form of mass shooting. One was in Northern California. One was in El Paso, Texas. And one of course was very close to where a lot of our listeners and a lot of Bengals fans are based in the Dayton area. So, um, you know, it, it really is shocking. Um, it's, it's really something that jars you to your core there are a lot of thoughts and things that I could share that, uh, you know, could make this maybe a bit a bit contentious. And I don't really want to do that because of the political scope and, and all of that. But um, this kind of stuff has to stop. And, um, you know, this uh, 
it's like I said, it's shocking. Um, it's becoming a thing where they're becoming more and more common, uh, unfortunately, and they're becoming, they, they are turning into a thing where it's disrupting things that people do in their everyday lives. It's disrupting, uh, you know, it's becoming a thing that is making people, or the intention is to make people fearful doing things they enjoy or anything like that. Um, it's, it's easier said than done, but we just can't let things like that stop us. Uh, I went to a concert, truth be told, on Saturday night, and I, I kind of had a, a side eye that night because of some news, you know, using peripheral vision, seeing, like, you know, who's got what here? Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a jarring feeling, and I, I, I'm sure all of us have experienced that. I have also, um, truth be told, personally experienced losing somebody from gun violence, losing a family member from gun violence. And um, so I have some, I have some very personal feelings about things like this, but not to go on a rant or anything, but we just wanted to make sure that we recognize those terrible tragedies that we give our condolences to anyone affected. And, um, you know, obviously this is something, John, that hits a little bit close to home for Ohioans, for Bengals fans, because one of those was in the city of Dayton. Yeah, and you mentioned the word shocking, and the only thing that's shocking to me is how it continues to happen, and nothing really seems to be happening to stop it or prohibit it in any way, shape, or form. Like, just a couple weeks ago, like, Bengals fans were mad at the city of Dayton for making them practice on a field that was fine for high schoolers, but apparently not fine for professional athletes. And this kind of stuff really just puts things into perspective. Yep. And the city of Dayton has gone through a hell of a lot this summer, not only with the tornadoes, but now also with this. But I think this is like shooting number 250 for this country. And like the second the second country in that ranking is at like three right now. So it's this kind of stuff only really happens here. And I guess we just don't want to do anything about it. But yeah, you're right. And it just really puts, puts things into perspective and really changes our lives for, for the worst. Like there was a video like last night, just people at Times Square, they, they overhear a, a motorcycle backfire and panic ensues because someone thinks someone has open fired. So like th this stuff just shouldn't happen in any modern society, but you know, it really does put things in, into perspective in our hearts, obviously with, with those families that were impacted in, in California, Texas and Dayton, but thoughts and prayers can only do so much when people keep dying for uh, I understand. Yeah. And, and I understand that, um, you know, the action of some kind is needed and, and, you know, there's a lot of different stand standpoints or viewpoints on what kind of action would be needed to help curb or stop these altogether, obviously. Um, you know, uh, the, the bottom line is, I mean, at this point, what we, what we can give is our condolences, our prayers, our thoughts. That is what we can give. There are ways to help financially some of these things. There are ways to volunteer. Um, you know, I, I started a charity for my, for my sister and, and my co-host graciously, uh, you know, contributed to that, as did some of our listeners and other Bengals fans. There are many others like that that are um, from gun violence and, and Dayton has one uh, a trauma fund I believe set up and kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals because kind of segueing out of that topic and into this a little bit kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals because they uh, it came across the wire this week that they gave $75,000 to that fund to help uh, affected people in the city of Dayton so um, you're right John it really puts you know we're we're, we're 
complaining about the field quality and all that kind of stuff a week ago. And now, you know, we have uh, this situation. It really puts things into perspective. But for those who may have been affected, to those who live in the city of Dayton, to those who live in the city of El Paso or any of these areas, we're with you. We've we've definitely, uh, you know, been, been thinking about you. And, um, you know, hopefully these things just stop occurring altogether. It would be nice to not to have to, to address these types of things. But, um, you know, stay strong, Dayton. That's all I can say. Thanks for indulging us on that. Let's get going on some Cincinnati Bengals player talk, some actual X's and O's and things of that nature with training camp in full swing. John, I guess we can start with your uh, roster projection, which I thought was very interesting because there were some spots that were really light. There were some players that I find very intriguing that you had left off. There were some players that, um, I I don't know, there's there's a lot of, uh, I think, and as it goes with any any projections like this, there are a lot of areas that seem to be it could be called in bait. Um, so with with that, uh, if, if you can maybe give everybody a, a you know a mile high overview of what you did, and then we can kind of dissect some of the, the areas that I think a lot of people may have some questions about. Right. So we've done a few of these this offseason, and for the most part. Most of this has main, maintained some sense of consistency. The main areas that I altered for this week, just based off of what I've seen from him, what we've read from reports and whatnot, was going for seven wide receivers, including Damian Willis with the group of A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Alex Erickson, Josh Malone, and Cody Core, going light at tight end with just three, them being C.J. Zoma, Tyler Eifert, and Drew Sample. And then on, on the defensive side of the ball, only going with four defensive ends, Dunlap, Hubbard, Lawson, Kerry Wynn, and five defensive tackles, and Geno Atkins, Andrew Billings, Brian Glasgow, Christian Ringo, and Reynolds Wren. And this is mainly in part for basically what the rotations are like at those respective positions so far in camp and probably going into week one of the preseason. But I guess we can really start with the, the first couple of positions on offense. Um, I, I had three quarterbacks with Dalton Driscoll, school in Finley, but um, this was before Finley started taking second team reps with the team starting on family day uh, last Saturday, and actually I think um, that the past couple practices as well, so I think there's a slight shift in that where Driscoll's spot may not be entirely safe, and that's the whole point with, with that is that they would only go three if they want to keep Driscoll because Finley's pretty much making the team, so if Finley does start ascending that, like he can just push Driscoll off the, off the roster, no, if it's up another spot, and this was also before... Rodney Anderson, um, we'll, we'll get to Rodney Anderson news in a minute, but this was before they they had some injury issues at running back, and maybe they want to go light there because, you know, A.J. Green is still hurt, and he's probably not going to go to injured reserve designated to return or the or the pup list. So maybe they go seven receivers because if they want to go three receivers, you know, playing for most of the snaps, you know, you, you would have to figure that they're going to have at least five or six active, and if you're not going to have your best one there, you might as well get, you know, maximized depth there. And at this point, it's just hard to leave Willis off the roster altogether with with the movement and the momentum he has in training camp so far. But at the same time, you have to keep Malone and Core on there because they're getting starting reps without Green and also John Ross in the roster. And then with all that said and done, you're at a point where you're looking at the tight ends and you're thinking, okay, 
maybe maybe we go three to begin the season while Green is still hurt, and when Green comes back, maybe we add up a guy like a, a Mason Shrek, a Jordan Franks, or even a Stephen Carter to really get that group back to four because they're probably going to need four for the season with Eifert still healthy. So that was, those were the main changes that I, I made from the, the one I the roster projection I did before training camp. But obviously, as we've seen, things are really fluid right now, and you know, there's a lot of rotations going on, a lot of battles and competitions going on at multiple positions. And honestly, if I did it today, it probably would have made it a little bit of difference because that's just how quickly things are moving right now in this Zach Taylor-led team. So I'm looking at it, and I see Deshaun Davis off off the list. I see right. Josh Tupo and Andrew Brown, defensive tackles, off the list in terms of being cut. Uh, I, I see, like you said, a Mason Shrek, a, an Alden Tate. Um, I, I see, um, you know, um, well, well, we'll get to running back in a second, but uh, kind of of those areas and then, of course, you had, uh, you, like you said, you had Jordan Willis off. So, what, what, who was kind of the one where you're like, oh man, that was that's that's a really tough. Like, who were some of the toughest of those of those names that you were like, I had a real tough time not putting them on my projection. I think Tate stands out the most, at least on offense, just because in like in camp right now, he's getting first team special teams reps. He's like with the first team unit on kickoff return with uh, Fedulum with. Cody Core with Hardy Nickerson, and Nickerson was another guy you're thinking, okay, he's still getting those first-team reps on special teams. He's still the Mike linebacker with the second-team defense, so you have to think he's at least safe for now, and that, that includes leading off a guy like Deshaun, Deshaun Davis or an undrafted guy like a Sterling Sheffield, who I think right now is making a lot of moves um, and is at least building positive momentum with the coaching staff, but definitely Tate stood out to me as, as a guy who's going to probably make it down to the final wire, and I, I just think he has to just hold off from the, the hype that Damon Willis is, is building up. And, and, and even Stanley Morgan, he hasn't completely disappeared. disappeared. He's, he's still getting opportunities. He is, he's actually getting opportunities as, as a kick returner, uh, the other practice that I went to, and he's still making plays in the red zone, at least for in those drills. And, and obviously Jordan Willis is another one. Like Four-edge defenders might not be the way they go, but I think right now they see more value and win, not only as a veteran, but a guy who can play multiple spots. The guy who's getting first team reps with a nickel pass rushing unit. So yeah, like it, 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 it's a weird dynamic because you look at this roster, you put it up against the thirty one other rosters, and it's probably not in the top half. But there's still a lot of guys who would make multiple other teams, and there's there's more than fifty three rosterable players on this on this team. It's just a matter of what how much the top end of that roster is going to carry them throughout the season. But yeah, I think Tate Willis. Both Willis's really are going to come out, come down to the wire, and even guys on the offensive line. Like I, I couldn't bring myself to to eliminate the six that I put, and that's John Jerry, Billy Price, John Miller, Trey Hopkins, Christian Westerman, and Michael Jordan. Because honestly, like the two guys who I think like probably the most to lose right now is either Jerry or Westerman, and they were the two getting the starting reps at left guard. So it would be easy to take Jerry off the list if he wasn't um, getting starting reps. But apparently, the team seems sees something in him. But that's a rotation. That's a whole other story. There's four guys there that have gotten first team reps at, at the left guard position. So right now, it's just hard to eliminate really any of them from the competition. So yeah, there's just a lot of tough decisions right now without even playing a preseason game. We're 
hopefully we'll see more clarity in the coming days. So I, I there, there, we're getting a couple questions in the live YouTube chat. We're going to try and kind of address some of these, but like I said, we're going to try and get to, we're going to have a different standalone later this week to, to kick off the preseason game. Uh, we're going to have a standalone listener question show, but I thought this was interesting because I'm, I'm looking at your groupings and then I see this comment from Luis G says, so in short, and of course I, I'm assuming Luis is uh, kind of being serious as a fanboy, but also being, you know, uh, says it a little tongue, tongue in cheek, but so in short, the Bengals are super loaded and talent will possibly win the Super Bowl. Who day? Um, <laughs> I, I look at it. It's funny that he said that because I'm looking at it and I see a couple of position groups that I'm like, wow, that's, they've got a lot of talent in these groups. And then there are others where I go, Oh boy. Um, and, and it seems like a roster that has, you know, three or four position groups that are very, very strong. And then I see a bunch of meh. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, you look at running backs. Well, again, we'll talk about that in just a second, but uh, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, Travion Williams, and then potentially Rodney Anderson. We'll get to that in a second. That's a very strong group. Um, you know, wide receivers is pretty strong, but it's top heavy and it, and it's obviously lessened with the situation with AJ green, um, tight ends, strong group, but a lot, still some question marks there. Um, I see, I, I look at the secondary, that's gotta be two of the better, you know, two of the better position groups in the league in terms of cornerbacks and safeties. Um, those are very strong, but then you look at linebackers, you look at even interior defensive linemen behind Geno Atkins. Uh, a lot of question marks there. Uh, edge defenders, there's some talent there, but some question marks. And then, of course, the offensive line. So I see a lot of – I see a real mixed bag in terms of when you actually look at it, position group by position group. Um, a couple of very strong position groups and some others that really make you uncomfortable. Yeah, and I, I always fall for this every year how the defensive line, I always come away with, with the conclusion that they're they're just a really strong group. And I think it's just always just the effect of them going against the offensive line. So I just got to have to maintain my sense of actual reality with that. But honestly, like, I, I, I like what I've seen from the defensive line as a whole. I haven't seen really any, at least for the guys in the first and second teams, I haven't seen any, like, real negatives there. Um, like, specifically with Christian Ringo, who I added on, for, for this edition, he's been, you know, balling his, balling his butt off with the second team. And um, even Andrew Brown, who a guy who I didn't have on here, um, I think we can almost list him as an edge defender now because the, this was something that Jeff Hobson reported as well in his latest camp report that he was, he's been exclusively an edge rusher. And I think that might have to do with the lack of depth at edge rusher and the fact that they didn't really address the position in free seat. Besides Kerry Wynn, who, again, is probably a lock for the roster at this point, but I think we can include Brown with, with that group at edge. And I don't know if it really helps his case necessarily to make the roster, but like that, that interior right now is really packed with a lot of guys who have a lot to prove. And obviously, like, Ren is probably going to make it along with Glasgow and Billings. But, you know, it, it, it could really depend on what they want to do to really split that group up because they could go four-inch and five interior guys or, or vice versa. It, it really depends on how much versatility they're going to count on for the guys that they do keep. And with the linebackers, yeah, like obviously any group that includes Hardy Nickerson has questions in it, and it's really up to 
it, it's up to Jefferson, it's up to Pratt, it's up to these other guys, it's up to Davis as well to really just prove that you know we don't need this guy who runs a, a five seven forty just because he's somewhat adequate on special teams, and it's it's going to come down to the preseason and them just making plays and just proving why they do belong on this roster because they do have some athletes at the at the position, but. So far, it's just been pretty much the same old story with, with how they look, at, especially against the passing game at, at that position right now. So one thing I saw, and I, I don't uh, do a lot of the um, – well, I mean, I, I read the comments on Cincy Jungle and everything, but I, I don't necessarily interact. And sometimes I just don't get around to reading them. I, I You know, you and I are busy posting stuff, doing this show, writing stuff. So um, unfortunately, some of the comments go by the wayside. But one I, I thought was interesting – before we get to the running back situation, um, it was from a commenter, Zach2305, that says, Seathan Carter is more likely to be the fourth tight end. Uh, and the author, by the way, that's, that's your new nickname, the author, um, doesn't even mention his name. He fits the H-back mold better better in the offense than Shrek. I, my contention with that, and, and uh, I got your back here, author, um, I think Drew Sample's filling that role and you can correct me if I'm wrong by what uh by you know what you've seen in camp but I I think that he's going to kind of be a a catch-all lineup everywhere type of guy including maybe at times in front of a in front of a running back go out in the flat and make make a catch so in that way I think he's a guy that while I'm not personally comfortable with the idea of keeping three tight ends because CJ Uzoma has battled injuries in his career, so has Tyler Eifert. I think that if you're going to go heavier somewhere else, like a wide receiver or something, I think that that's where a Drew Sample maybe kills two birds with one stone by his roster spot. Am I wrong about that? No, you're not. And honestly, I I haven't seen them use Nate back that much in camp. And I don't know if it's just because they just haven't got to that portion of the playbook yet. But people have to remember that this is this is the Rams offense that they're that they're interjecting into this into this personnel grouping stuff and whatnot. And they didn't use a lot of those H backs or fullbacks in that matter. So uh, I honestly should have included Seathan Carter in, in the paragraph, but it, I, I don't think he'd make the team because they want to line him up in the backfield because that's not what they've been doing in camp at all. They've been out of the shotgun and they've been out of just the I formation, single back formation look. So I haven't seen very much of an H back, and I think that should have been expected if you had any idea what the Rams' offense was doing the past couple of years with Sean McVay in there. So do you think Arnold definitely still has a chance to make it? But I don't think he would make it because he has versatility as an H back. And you're definitely right. Like both CJ Uzoma and and Drew Sample can do that efficiently, even Tyler Eifert for that matter. But I don't know if they want to use him like that to preserve him from any more fluke injuries. But yeah, that, that's that's basically what I, what I would have to say. Right, and I I think that if it came down to potentially keeping an Andrew Brown, a Josh Tupo, um, you know, maybe a linebacker, I, I think there are a number of players the team would consider keeping. No, no offense to Ethan Carter, maybe he's listening to the program, but uh, I think there are a number of bubble players that would make the team ahead of. Stephen Carter. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, but who knows? Uh, and again, something to, to note that, and I don't want to speak for you, John, but my assumption is that this isn't John's hopeful roster projection. This is using who you think will make it. Yes. Some, some guys you like, but also taking into account a new coaching staff and what this team has traditionally done. It's kind of a formula you use to create this, right? 
Yeah, and, and honestly, we have no idea what Zach Taylor and his group of guys are going to construct this roster. Like, like all of our precedents are basically lost with with the absence of Marvin Lewis there. So this is I didn't really look at any like I didn't really look at what the Rams did for their final roster last year. Maybe I maybe I should have for this, but this is honestly just like some some a lot of gut feeling, but basically what I've what I've seen, what I've written down, and yeah, like. There's, I, I highly doubt they go seven receivers and three tight ends. That was just something where I just had to basically keep it down to 53 and make that number for for the final post. But like again, this this situation is is extremely fluid, and a lot of injuries are impacting you know sentiments right now with with, with how this projection is looking right now. And again, it's just it's just a lot. It's just way too early to make this you know with any vindication. I guess you know. Yeah. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So... I guess we can kind of segue a little bit into this because this is some some news that hit uh, this really on Wednesday of this week. Um, the Bengals activated Rodney Anderson, a guy who had uh, tore a knee ligament last year with the Sooners, probably would have been a, a day two pick um, if he stayed healthy for the Sooners the, the entirety of the year, probably one of the first running backs off the board. Um, by most indications, the Bengals grabbed him in the sixth round, one of two running backs they grabbed in the round, Travion Williams being the other. Uh, Williams was the first of the two picks, but um, Anderson started training camp on Pup. Um, you know, I think it was – he tore the knee pretty early. I think it was maybe midway in the season. I'd have to look. It was maybe October. It was, it was too. Yeah, oh, it was early. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. so, um, you know, you look – Carl Lawson, if you want to use him, he's back and practicing. He tore a knee last year, a handful of games into the season for the Bengals. Um, you know, the, the guys are coming back from these a little bit more quick. Sometimes, years ago, John, these used to be career enders, right? Um, and now, just because where medicine is and how these guys are able to come back, these guys are coming back in less than a year um, from these things and, and playing football. So, um, how do you was this was this something that you think was kind of in the plans in terms of timelines and he's rehabbing well and things are looking good? Or do you think this was maybe uh, exacerbated a little bit because of an injury to Giovanni Bernard, who's been, um, again, that hasn't really been divulged. Uh, this has been a scary off season in terms of, Oh, he's okay. But then all of a sudden, boom, gone. <laughs> um, so do you think that that kind of, kind of, made them make this move off of Anderson off of pup come a little quicker than ex expected. Or is this just in general, something that's a good sign, you know, Bernard will come back when he comes back and he should be okay. And Anderson is just a guy they're going to have in the stable and they're going to have a really, really strong running back group. I think it's more of a good sign. And it's maybe I'm just thinking too much out of the box here, but like Zach Taylor and his staff, 
like they're coming into a situation where the team is notorious for mishandling injuries to to a, a, an extensive degree, where you have multiple cases in the, in the past to look at. And I think it would be bad for them to start by rushing back one of their more promising draft picks um, and then having him re-injure something that probably should have been or could have been avoided. But just I, I've been I've had the opportunity to, to witness uh, Anderson and the other guys on the rehab field just just like warm up and just like do you know usual stretches and just go through the motions. And from what I, from my extremely unprofessional and untrained high. Like Anderson, I, I think he looked like he was ready to go. And I think, yeah, like maybe the, the Mason injury and, and the Bernard injury maybe could have rushed it a little bit, but I don't think that they would have rushed him back unless he was 100% ready to go. And like you said, like it's been 11 months now since he did uh, tear that ACL or whatever the injury was. And, you know, that naturally guys come back, you know, a lot faster than that um, compared to years past. But I, I do think there's a fine line to kind of balance between you know, situational, the the situation being dire at the position and kind of getting him back as quickly as possible, but also making sure that you establish a a, a regimen or a procedure of of how to handle these kind of things so you don't keep a a narrative and a stereotype going from the past 16 years. So I think he is ready to go. And honestly, I think that time couldn't, obviously couldn't be better because eventually we're going to have, if Anderson is, is healthy for the season and hopefully the foreseeable future, there's going to be a discussion about, you know, whether or not Mason's value is supersedes the value that Anderson brings as a running back. So Rodney Anderson being healthy as, as early as possible is definitely good for the team as a whole. And I, I think they, I think they did bring him back when he was ready and not, not before, even depending on the situation at hand. Yeah. So interesting, interesting situation there. And uh, Spencer Myers in the live YouTube chat says, is it standard to keep four running backs? I feel like it's normally three, but I don't see an odd man out if Anderson is healthy. Um, it, it was always four. I think it was Pierman on the roster. It, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, because he, I mean, he obviously didn't get really many opportunities on offense. He was more the special teams ace, but um, yeah, they, they kept four running backs and, and did it that way. I think that, you know, I mean, that is a, a, a position group where injuries occur, wear and tear occurs. You know, Mixon, for all he the great things he did last year, uh, he missed a couple of games. Um, Giovanni Bernard in his career has been dinged up. Uh, so there are times where, you know, this team has needed other running backs that are lower in the pecking order. And so maybe that's where um, – you know, uh, keeping four running backs here makes sense, but good stuff from you, John, on the, uh, on the roster projection. If you have not checked that out yet, go look at it on cincyjungle.com. It's on their, their front, the top front page of the stories there, along with some other uh, training camp news and notes, including some of those from, um, from John Sheeran. Speaking of that, John, was there anything else you maybe wanted to add on that front that, uh, or expand upon based on, Last week's show, you talked about some training camp observations. Was there anything this week that you feel like, hey, this is new or this is different or these are things that maybe some fans want to hear about um, that have not been able to be get to training camp practices, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I just reemphasize that the love guard battle is, I think, still far from over. And like we saw with that, Clearly updated depth chart that AJ Green listed as a starting receiver. John Jerry was listed as a starting left guard, but I don't think it's it's 
um, too late to panic on that front because they did have Trey Hopkins taking first team reps for multiple days. And then they rolled out Michael Jordan there, who honestly, like, I think with just the situation at the position right now, I think they, they felt like they just have to try all options there. And it was reported earlier in the offseason that they were trying to focus Jordan on, you know, snapping and improving his center capabilities in case they, they need him there. But he was out there with the wanted left guard. So, that again, that's four guys at that position. And when he was out there with the starters, you had Christian Westerman and John Jerry, of all guys, at the second-team right tackle. And Christian Westerman at, right, at second-team right guard. So they're, they're trying multiple things because that offensive line is far from a finished product. And I honestly have no idea how it's going to get constructed when it's all said and done because you're dealing with a third offensive line coach in three years, obviously a new head coach as well, and a lot of fresh talent there. And for the most part, you have guys mainly sticking to where we've seen them, at least from the beginning of the training camp, have uh, O'Shea Dugas, the undrafted guy from uh, Louisiana Tech, at second-team left tackle for the most part. Keith Sutherland, the undrafted guy from Texas A&M, the guy that Jim Turner coached the, for the past couple years. He's been a mainstay at like backup left guard and maybe a little bit of right guard as well. Trey Hopkins has obviously been all over the place with Billy Price's injury, but that, that group I think is still far from over. You know, you only have like really one opening at the starting spot, but it, like again, Jerry is the listed starter, but I, I think that battle is still far from over, and you can kind of rest your hand off of the uh, uh, army get button there for just just a little bit more well good to know uh i think some of us have had our finger on that button for yeah. a, a little while but that's okay that's okay thanks good stuff from you there john uh we're gonna get to previewing and what we're looking for in preseason game one what we're interested in watching in just a second here um as i mentioned uh we will be doing a live listener questions standalone show we'll be doing that this friday afternoon slash evening depending on where you're located probably about uh 6 p.m eastern is tentatively when we'll set that you can check that out we'll have it posted on cincyjungle.com ahead of time so you can join it there we will also have it posted um we'll have it uh you know posted on our twitter account and hopefully we'll have more of this uh technical stuff uh, figured out. Um, Jason Von Stein also asks, are you going to do a show during any preseason games? What we will do, unfortunately, I will probably not be able to do it this after this first game, but um, after the games are completed uh, throughout the rest of preseason and throughout the regular season, we take the, uh, it's usually through cincyjungle.com's Facebook page. So you have to like that page um, it's usually myself that goes on there to do about 15, 20 minutes to recap the game, take some questions, that sort of thing. So we will still be doing that. And if you're unable to join us right after when we do that on the Facebook feed, that video and that audio, uh, we put that on all of the channels here for this show. So you can join us live on the Facebook feed or it'll be available on uh, our platforms, and uh, the video will be available as well. And by the way, those platforms are iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, YouTube, and of course, all the stuff's on cincyjungle.com. So hopefully that helps. And by the way, for those wondering, Jason Von Stein is the uh, artistic genius who gave us uh, a little bit of music for the show. So on a, on a lot of our... Um, on a lot of our videos that are on our YouTube channel, they, they begin and end with uh, a, a tune that 
Jason has come up with, and uh, it's very, very cool. It's a, it's a tune called Mr. Misery, and um, he let us know that that tune is actually on iTunes, and since he is a, a such a loyal listener, a good guy, and uh, supplied us with that music, we ask that you maybe support him in uh, searching for that tune on, I, I believe he said it's on iTunes and other things, Mr. Misery by Jason Von Stein, so kind of a cool cool tune and if you if you like if you like the tune and you like this show go go do him a solid go do us a solid download that uh download that song for him um we we hope that uh, you support jason in that a fellow Bengals fan john we are moving moving on here um i i can't believe it this this year has gone by so fast uh i guess it's because we've been busy and and everything but um I, the first preseason game is here. Um, new coach, new era of, of Bengals football, all that good stuff. And uh, there is a lot to like when it comes to what we've seen so far in training camp from the Bengals. There's a lot. There are a lot of questions as well. I don't know that we'll get a ton of answers coming up here this Saturday, but let's just start with this. And I think I know where you're going to go with it, but what are you most interested in seeing in preseason game number one um, as the Zach Taylor-led Bengals take the field? Uh, I, I just think how he, as a coach, operates, um, not only just the extremely vanilla game plan, but uh, how, he, how I, I guess how he reacts to how the starters do, I think. Um, I don't know. I think his plan with the snaps distributed is going to be pretty fluid depending on the success or failures of the offense and defense and those starters as well. Um, maybe like, I think from what we've seen in years past, like I believe they had the first team offensive line out there for like a series or two uh, with the, the second string quarterback and receivers and whatnot, just so they can gel a bit more. So maybe that's something that we see again for, for this year. And on the, on the defense side of the ball, how heavy that uh, rotation of the defense lines can be, how, we see those young linebackers get implemented early on in, into the game. And, you know, it, it, it's it, – we just got to, like, tone back our expectations, I guess, for what we expect to see from this offense so far because I'm sure Taylor's going to keep the playbook close to his chest, not, you know, roll out a lot of exotic things in, in that nature. And, again, just not just be patient with the, prog- with the progress of guys like Dalton and other guys we expect to improve under the scheme and whatnot. But, again, it's it's – it's the first preseason game against a team that beat them by like 30 last year in the same stadium. We're talking about the Chiefs, obviously. So maybe, you know, the players who were on the team last year play with a little bit of extra fire, at least in that first drive, even though it's a preseason game and they probably shouldn't be going too hard out there. But just in general, how like Taylor manages, you know, the just, just, just the, the just the things that we're accustomed to seeing under Lewis, and hell, may, may, maybe we've seen better clock management in the, in the first couple two minute warnings under the Zach Taylor era. Even though, again, it'll be mostly backups in. So, yeah, just just the general differences and and contrast that can be made between him and Lewis, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it would be interesting. You you hope that that kind of stuff is not too big for him. And if it is too big for him, he's got four, four games to figure it out. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that that is definitely something to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, game management, uh, you know, are there going to be the, the stupid penalties that, uh, 
you can attribute to coaching, you know, the too many men in the huddle type of things, the um, illegal substitution, you know, those, those types of things are, are those going to be part and parcel of preseason week one because of potential jitters, because of an inexperienced coaching staff, that sort of thing. Um, I, you know, this, it's hard to, it's hard to really get a grasp on how good a team is or isn't in the preseason, especially in, in preseason game one. And what you really tend to notice, especially in the later quarters of the preseason and especially in the early games of the preseason is there is a lot of, um, there is a lot of, uh, of run plays called. There are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of leaning on running backs, that sort of thing. Um, we just talked about a number of, of running backs, Rodney Anderson and Travion Williams, Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, you know, all of these guys and more Quentin Flowers from last year. Um, I, I think I think that that is and the Bengals have said they want to run the ball quite a bit in this Zach Taylor system. They want to set up play action. I think that that for me is going to be a very interesting thing to watch is how successful it is. And it's not just the running backs. It's the guys in front of them. Like you, you kind of mentioned, John, the, the offensive line, um, you know, how does that whole group work? You know, is, is the, um, I, I guess to use a weird phrase is, is the sum greater than the parts, right? Um, right. Are, are we going to look at a unit that because of the system that they run, and because of some familiarity with the coaches and potentially some of these running backs, um, is this going to be something where they're just, aside from looking at each of these offensive linemen individually, somehow as a unit and in this new system, they can mask deficiencies and they can, they're able to run the ball and do what they want? Or is this going to be a thing where it's going to be just an absolute circus? And, uh, you know, three yard losses and struggle to get one or two yards. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. My guess is probably somewhere in between, but, um, I think to me, that's something I will be, you know, I'm really curious to see how, um, how things shake out this week. What, what are you hoping the Bengals accomplish? I know it's kind of a similar question, but a little, a little bit of a variation. I think we can both agree that injuries at a minimum is uh, injuries to a minimum is something that is of utmost importance, but what else are you looking for them to achieve? Um, you know, a lot of times people don't really care if they win, if a team wins in the preseason, but um, what are, what are you, what are you hoping this team achieves? And by the time this game is hits, you know, all zeros on the game clock, you, you go, okay, I feel pretty good about, what I what I witnessed. Uh, like you said, obviously no injuries. Um, like it, my my expectations are just generally low because there's an entirely new scheme and there's a lot of flux going up front. Like like it's entirely possible that you can see the first group of offensive linemen out there for for one drive, and then like the first group again, but maybe like another left guard. Like maybe that's something something that they're going to do. I, I, I guess I want to see, just from my perspective, equal opportunities for, for guys who are in position groups with a, a lot of turnover and, and some young guys who I want to see, you know, have their chance to, to, to play and shine. And may, maybe, like, like another thing, like the leash for younger players, obviously under Marvin Lewis, was extremely short and, and 
if there was a mistake, they would get pulled immediately, and we would like never see them again. I want I want to see Taylor let, allow these guys to make mistakes because again, this roster is extremely young, and it's a lot of you know a lot of the guys that he and his coaching staff have brought in. So I, I want to see those guys just play loose, play with play with fun or whatever, and just not be afraid to make a mistake. Not 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 have this glaring figure over their shoulder every time they make one one single little mess up and they're on the bench for the rest of the game because obviously you want to give the guys on the bottom of the roster plenty of chances to succeed and, and make their case but at the same time you don't you don't want you know the guys in front of them to be so worried about the guys behind them you want competition to, to breed the best out of their players but at the same time you don't want it to be an overarching uh, figure that overall diminishes their you know aptitude to play and I think that was something that was a big negative at least in this stage of you know the Bengals season with Marvin Lewis, and I want I want Taylor to, to show not more compassion or forgiveness or whatever, but to, just let just let these guys play basically, and and don't be this this authoritative figure that you know punishes them for making just a simple mistake, and just let them grow go with emotions, let them just develop on their own on the field because they're not going to get better on the bench. And I guess just seeing these guys have equal opportunity and just you know not 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 be afraid to make the mistakes that they're inevitably going to make because again. It's preseason week one, and these things are going to happen. So this is kind of a, a weird question, and I'm going to try and phrase this as competently as possible because I don't know if it's going to come out the same way I'm thinking it. But um, if you were to – I mean, ideally, you in an ideal world, the team would be both. But, you know, you it just kind of made me think about it based on what you just said and the Marvin Lewis era and how, you know, he, certain guys would be in his doghouse and they would never get out of his doghouse, which, and obviously the last three years have been pretty, uh, you know, I don't necessarily, if last year was miserable, uh, at least the last half of the year was miserable. Um, but in all in all, I mean, if you collect 2016 through 2018, and, and even if you want to include the wild card loss from the end of 2015, um, it's been pretty miserable. Would you rather see a team that comes out on, on in preseason week one that is more emotionally charged up, on fire, and you can see that they are having an immense amount of fun playing football again? Or would you rather see, you know, maybe a bit more buttoned up, disciplined, maybe few, a fewer, you know, a couple fewer penalties and not as sloppy play in, in week one if there is such a thing? Uh, you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. Like, selfishly, I just want watchable football, but I know that's what I'm rarely going to get in the preseason. But ultimately, like, we're not really going to remember this game when it's all said right. at the end of the season. Like, we're going to remember – we're going to remember a week one game is going to be the regular season. And for, for that for that passion and fire that you that you were alluding to, like, they better bring that week one. But, like, for now, I just want them to just go through the motions and just, you know, do what they're told, I guess, and just not get injured. I'm just mainly looking for no injuries. But uh, – and obviously, that I won't get bored out of my mind by the middle of the second quarter. But, like, I'm sure there will be some of that, I, I think, with, like, the first team – and obviously, those those backups are gonna play their hearts out because they're playing for their jobs and whatnot. But like ultimately, like I'm not gonna remember this game that much because I'm not a coach in, in that way, shape, or form. But yeah, I'm I'm just not really concerned with that just yet, I guess. So okay, so um, I mean, like I said, ideally you'd love to see both because obviously winning and playing good football breeds 
a fun attitude usually. So, um, I mean, ideally you'd like to see both, but, um, you know, I, I guess baby steps a little bit in this new, under this new staff, but, um, like Matthew Wayne Smith in the live YouTube chat says, I want to see chemistry in the line back, back in core. Yeah, that's, that'd be good. Uh, so who are, if you could name three players that you are specifically looking at this week, um, who, who do you think, who will you be having under the microscope? I think that, I mean, obviously from, at least for me, and I, I won't give mine yet, but at least for me, I think that it, It doesn't. It it shouldn't necessarily be the the quote unquote starters because I don't think they're going to get a lot of time. So right. I, I think I think at least for me, we're probably going to be talking about a lot of bubble guys, a lot of backups. Yeah, I'm for starters. I want to see Andrew Brown off the edge because it's still very new to me, and I'm assuming still new to him. Um, I want to see like he he looks more flexible and, and explosive at least in practice, and I want to see that translate against back of offensive line and, and how how indicative that will be of, of the actual thing. But I'm curious to see how he does in this rotation and if he's exclusively on the exclusively on the edge like he's been in camp. Um, I want to see Michael Jordan. I want to see where he lines up with, with the second team or even if he gets a, a, a shot with, with the first team at left guard, if he's just at center, if he's just at one of the guard spots. I want to see how he does. And... I think all, all eyes will be on Damian Willis, the wide receiver from, from Troy, who's just making the most noise, I guess, out of, out of those undrafted guys and those rookies from, from this camp so far. Because, like, again, it, if he keeps improving and if it goes into the preseason, it'll just be nearly impossible to keep him off this roster. And when you're talking about having your six receivers essentially locked up, like, it, it, he's going to make an intriguing case to, to bump one of, the, one of the staples off. So, you know, this is his first chance – to really prove himself with either Brian Finley or Jake Dolagala throwing in the ball, or maybe Jeff Driscoll if he gets time with the twos. So he's he has an opportunity against you know a pretty weak secondary, especially when you're talking about going up, up against backups. So those are probably my three right now. So recap again, you said was it Damian Willis? Damian Willis, Michael Jordan, uh, Andrew Brown, and Andrew Brown. I like it. Good stuff. Um, I, I you know for me, I think Travion Williams is one. Um, I'm very interested in I, – I really like that kid. and he's He has seemingly – you can correct me if I'm wrong. He has seemingly done some good things in camp. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a good uh, – pretty good backup football player for this team going forward, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can potentially do in, in some in-game scenarios. Um, unfortunately, you know, some of these guys that would get in-game regular season reps at a specific position – would you know that they're not playing oftentimes they're not getting carries or touches behind a starting offensive line um so they're usually backups or guys that may not make the team so i mean that they're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit there but even so travion williams is a guy that um after after a good showing in camp i'd, I'd really like to see what he has um you know i i think uh for me ryan finley is a guy i i want to see something out of and I don't want to see him just turn it drives me nuts uh and I get it because it's preseason and it's a backup you know it's usually backup quarterbacks and a lot of times these are guys in their first professional game but how many times do you see when you bring in a guy in the preseason a quarterback a backup quarterback and what do they do all they do is turn and hand the ball off and or screen passes 
Um, to me, you don't think necessarily at some at a player like that, but at the same time, I mean, it's preseason and you kind of got to start seeing what, what some of these players have. So I hope that a guy like Finley would go out there and get some opportunities to throw the football and hopefully prove why the coaching staff really liked him and moved up for him in the draft. Um, the other guy I've, I've got my eye on is, uh, is Jordan Willis. Um, I think I, I mentioned this, I think a week ago or two weeks ago that it's a, it's a big, big year for that guy. And um, it, it's a, it's a year where he needs to, I mean, you had him, I think off your, your projection, right? Um, yeah. So, and that's, that's not that far fetched of a scenario. So I think that, it's a, it's a huge camp for him and he needs to have one of those types of camps that, you know, a Dante Moke had a few years ago, uh, you know, a Chris Smith had a few years ago where you go, wow, there he is. That's the guy um, to really make people comfortable that, you know, he, he can do some things. It's, it's interesting because I look, I look back to, there was a comment that, Willis made, I don't know, maybe his second going into his second year where certain players weren't with the team anymore. And he had said in his rookie year, not everybody was very welcoming to him. Now a lot of those guys are gone. It's a new coaching staff. I wonder if he's kind of an under the radar guy like a John Ross who might be just kind of reinvigorated by things. Um, Did you say he was having a good camp? Uh, I haven't really noticed him that much like he's made a couple plays against the, the awful backups at, at offensive tackle he's mainly been that at right defensive end for that part but he it's more been carry win getting those second team reps and also win obviously playing inside i haven't really seen willis playing inside in on passing downs so maybe they're keeping him on the edge but he's been getting opportunities in special teams as well so i think he's he's still extreme pretty much in the conversation you can pencil him in for the roster right now but I think he's still far from a lock unless he just has just a, a, a solid or spectacular preseason. Yeah. So that's kind of who we've been watching um, or who we will be watching as uh, the Bengals take the field in preseason game one. Do you have, do you have any kind of a score prediction, John? I know it's hard. We usually do that, but it's hard preseason game one. Um, what do you think? I think it'll be fun to fun. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like they, I think the Chiefs won like thirty to twelve last time they played in the preseason. Yeah. That was that, that was that was a Jordan Willis game. I think too. I think he like popped off that game because that was his rookie year. But um, I don't know. Like probably be something like wacky, like like nineteen to, to twelve or something like that. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. There's a lot. Uh, there there are a lot of different things to watch a lot of things to hope for and, and um, you know, when I guess it would be nice, but we'll see, we'll see what happens there and we'll see, uh, you know, hopefully they stay healthy. Hopefully that they show some good things going forward. This is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. We've had a, a big show talking about preseason game one, talking about a roster projection an early roster projection, as well as some other news and notes, including the Bengals donating to a fund for victims of trauma in the Dayton shooting, as well as the running back situation with the team, uh, where the team 
activated Rodney Anderson off of the pup list. So a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to go off of. We're going to get out of here before we do, John, any, any final thoughts, my friend? Yeah. Football's back, baby. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I unfortunately don't get the same live broadcasts as, uh, some of the, those in the Cincinnati area. So I got to get creative with it, but, um, enjoy the game everybody however you may be watching i will not be able to personally i will not be able to uh do a video as i mentioned earlier i won't be able to do a video um right after the game but i will probably be able to do one sunday to recap if you want to join us it'll be on facebook live to submit questions and comments and then we can uh you know we'll put that on our audio and video feeds from there so um you know you can uh, you can check that out and uh, join us if you can. There's, uh, as I mentioned, though, there there will be a listener question show on Friday afternoon. So please join us for that to kick off preseason week one. And then, um, you know, we'll we'll have all kinds of different, like I said, audio and video. And, and CincyJungle.com will have the game covered from all kinds of different angles, news, opinions, analysis, all that stuff. You can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can get it on the Megaphone platform as well as on YouTube and CincyJungle.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in live. Thanks for those of you who did tune in live. Thanks for dealing with what we've been dealing with on some of the technical issues. Um, We'll get it fully sorted out. Um, I think this week was better, hopefully uh, a better experience. It was a better experience for me in show than it was last week. Um, so, uh, I appreciate everybody's patience, including yours, John. Um, we'll get this figured out, bud. Yes, we will. I have <laughs> undeniable faith in your prowess in this regard. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but, and if, if you have, if you have faith in my prowess, we, we may, we may have some problems, but, uh, We'll get it sorted out. I'm a Bengals fan. I always send blank. <laughs> well, thanks everybody, and th- thank you, John. We'll uh, we'll see you soon. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.